Thank you. Thank you. Take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 1. And I want to welcome you all here again, especially those of you that are over in the venue. We're glad that you're, you're with us. And before I get into this, let me uh, stop and pray for what's taking place over in Japan. So, Father, thanks that we can come to you at any moment. And Lord, I know that my heart is heavy. Uh, most of our hearts are just really heavy about what's happened, God. There's just a lot of pain and sorrow, troubles going on right now over in Japan. And I just pray, Lord, that, that you would show up in a unique way, Lord. Lord, that those that name your name who live in Japan would rise up and Lord, uh, help us as a church here in Modesto know what we're supposed to do, Lord. I'm grateful for how this great country has already responded, but Lord, I believe you have something for us also to do. And so, Lord, give us wisdom. And now as we look at your word, God, may you speak to each one of us, and I pray this in your name, amen. Amen. Well, today we're beginning a brand new series here called Knowing God, and this is going to be a, a, a series where we discover really what, what, what God is like, not what Hollywood portrays him as or what different traditions portray him as or what some denominations might say uh, about him or what you think about him or what you feel about him. But we're going to look at what he really is. The other day I was watching a news show on a cable network and this gal came on and she was really passionate about how she, you know, what she felt about God. She felt God was a particular way. And I'm not interested in, in what Hollywood has to say about God or what traditions have to say about God or what some denomination might say about God or what you think about God or what you feel about God. What I want to do is, over these next eight weeks, Lord willing, is take a look at what he's really like. Listen uh, to what Paul prays for in Ephesians chapter 1. If you have a Bible, you can look there. It'll be on the jumbotrons. Paul says, ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped giving thanks to God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. Paul doesn't pray for all of the people in the church that have cancer, that they'd be healed. Not that that's a bad prayer, not that we shouldn't pray that. That's not what Paul prayed for. Paul doesn't pray for all of the single people in the church that somehow they'd find you know, their mate. Not that that's a bad prayer to pray. Not wrong with praying that prayer. But that's not what, God, what, what, what Paul was interested in. Paul's prayer was that people would really get to know God better. That was what Paul was praying. Peter said this in 2 Peter chapter 3. He said, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, the atheist will tell you that there is no God for you to know. The agnostic, on the other hand, will tell you that if there is a God, there's really no way that you can get to know him. But the Bible teaches something radically different. 
The Bible teaches not only is there a God, but that God longs for you to have a relationship with him. Now, why is this so important? Why is knowing God so important? It's important because you can't really trust God if you don't know him. You can't really follow God if you don't know him. You can't really love God. It's hard to love God if you, if you don't know him. It's hard to tell others about God if you don't know him. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 5, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. It, it's hard to imitate God. It's hard to pull off that command if you don't know anything about him. So getting to know God is important. In fact, it's critically important, which is why I believe the Lord has led me to, to do this series. So for the next eight, eight weeks, we're, we're going to look at some of the great attributes of God. We're going to get to know God better. So with this said, let's get into today's message. God is all-knowing. Okay, This is one of the the great attributes of God. Hebrews chapter 4 says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. Beloved, that, that is a theological truth. God is all-knowing. Nothing in creation is hidden from God. Psalms 147 says, our Lord is great and very powerful. There is no limit to what he knows. You've just heard some theological truth that God is all-knowing. God knows everything. The big $10 word that theologians use is, is the word omniscient. God is omniscient. That means he knows everything. He's all-knowing. There's no question he can't answer. There's no problem that confuses him. There's nothing that surprises him. He's never caught off guard by something. He's never shocked by anything. God knows absolutely everything there is to know about everything. That is a theological truth. God is all-knowing. Now let me unpack this uh, a little more for you. Number one, God knows everything there is to know about creation. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, God looked at everything he made, and he was pleased with it. And I want you to know that's an amazing statement. God looked at everything. He saw everything, every rock, every tree, every fish, Every bird, every animal, every star, every grain of sand, every blade of grass, he saw everything. He was totally aware of everything that he had created. And by the way, he was pleased with it all. Psalms 50 says, I know every bird on the mountains and all the animals of the field are mine, God says. Psalms 147 says he counts the stars. And not only that, he's given each one of them a name. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, two sparrows cost only a penny, but not even one of them can die without your father's knowing it. Little tiny sparrow 
God knows. And then he throws in for good measure, God even knows how many hairs are on your head. God knows all about creation. Number two, God knows everything there is to know about history. The Bible says in Proverbs 15, the Lord sees what's happening everywhere. He knows the past. He knows the present. He knows the future. He knows everything that has happened. He knows everything that is happening right now. He knows everything that will happen. He knows the future. And not only that, and here comes the the mind blower, he knows everything that could have happened but didn't. He knows everything that can happen but won't. Beloved, this idea of God is all-knowing is something that we as humans have a hard time getting our, our, our minds around. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 55 that just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are God's thoughts than our thoughts and his ways than our ways. There are just some things that, that are going to be really difficult for us to wrap our minds around. It doesn't change the truth that God is all-knowing. But there are some things you just go, whoa. God, God knows the scope of history from the beginning to the end. Isaiah 46 says, only I can tell the future before it happens. Everything I plan will come to pass. And then God says, for I do whatever I wish. And number three, and this is where we're going to camp, is where we're going to spend the most of our time. I want to make this really practical as we go through this series. I want to give you the theological underpinnings, the, the theological truth. God is all-knowing. But I also want you to walk out of here and go, okay, I see how that plays itself out in my life. I see how that impacts my life, my family. Number three, God knows everything there is to know about you, me. Everything. Psalms 139 says, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit me together in my mother's womb. This is King David talking. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. And that's the understatement of the year, isn't it? The human body. Unbelievable. How complex it is. Two molecules didn't get together a billion years ago. Create this. Your workmanship is marvelous, David says. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. God is all-knowing. He knows everything there is to know about creation, He knows everything there is to know about history, past, present, future. And he knows everything there is to know about you. Because God is all-knowing. Now, how does that make you feel? How does it make you feel knowing that God knows everything there is to know about you? 
And the reason why I ask you that is because as I was studying for this, you know, when we, we just came out of our marriage series, and so, you know, you, you know, I spend a lot of my time just looking at what God had to say about marriages, and that's where I kind of spend my life, and is just looking at what God has to say about that particular topic. Now we're getting into these great theological truths. God is all-knowing, and now all of a sudden I'm having to wrestle around with that, and I want you to know, I was really uncomfortable with this thought that God knows everything there is to know about me. In fact, there were some times in my office and every day at my house, I, I have a chair and, and I sit in this one particular chair and it's where I spend my time with the Lord and um, it's where I often will write and edit and delete and, and there were just a couple of times where, man, I was just really broken about this, this thought. What exactly does it mean? What exactly does God know about you, about me? I'm going to give you five things. And I'm going I'm to get the ugly one out of the way first, okay? God knows all about your sin. God knows all about your faults, your failures. He knows all about your foibles. Knows it all. The Bible says in Psalm 69, O oh God, you know how foolish I am. My sins cannot be hidden from you. Beloved, this is the bad news, the fact that God knows everything about us, which is why we as humans don't like to think about the fact that God is all-knowing. It's something we don't like to think about. Because as I said, it, it'll make you, you a little uncomfortable. Knowing that God knows everything about you. You see, I've got a few things in my life that I'd rather God not know about me. He knows about the times when I didn't love the way he's commanded me to love. He knows about those times when I didn't treat somebody the way I'd want to be treated. He knows about those times when, when I had a harsh tongue. He knows about those times when I didn't stop and help somebody out who was on the side of the road. He knows all those things about me. And like I said, it's one of the reasons why we as humans don't like to think about the fact that God is all-knowing. It's the reason why I started with it. He knows absolutely everything. I don't have any secrets from God, and neither do you. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 5, the Lord sees everything you do, and he watches everywhere you go. And I know right where I was when I when I kind of locked onto that passage. I was sitting in my chair at home, and I went, wow, <laughs> yes, I'm glad God sees me here. I mean, there are some places I'm glad God sees, sees me. I'm glad he sees me here. Aren't you glad he sees you here? <laughs> there are lots of places where I'm sure God's pleased, where he sees us go, where he sees us hang out, 
what he sees, you know, what he hears, what we say, what runs through our minds. Beloved, you always have an audience. Nothing you ever say is off the record. God is watching you. You're always on stage. There's no secret closet. Everything you think, everything you see, everything you do, everything you feel, God sees it all. He knows it all. Now let me give you one of Satan's best lines. No one will ever know. He whispers that in her ears. No one will ever know. As you're cheating on your taxes, no one will ever know. As you're watching that pornography, no one will ever know. As you're flirting with that person that's not your spouse, no one will ever know. As you're stealing something from your employer, no one will ever know. So you go ahead and you do it, you know, you, whatever it is, and then afterwards Satan hits you with another one of his great lines. What if someone finds out? So first he whispers in your ear, hey, don't sweat. No one's ever going to know. And then you go ahead and do it, and then he hits you with, hey, what if someone finds out? And you know what that does? It causes you to worry. Oh, no. Oh, no. What if somebody finds out? What if my parents find out about what I've been doing? What if my spouse finds out about what I've been doing? What if the IRS finds out about what I've been doing? What if my, vice, my, you know, my boss finds out? And that always brings on worry. Listen to me. You've already been found out. God knows. And he's the one that counts. It doesn't matter whether your boss or the IRS or your spouse ever finds out. You've already been found out. God is all-knowing. Now here's an important fact that you, you need to know. God's not shocked by your sin. God already saw it before you ever did it. He knew you were going to do it before you ever did it. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, in perfect harmony, unity, and love, and the heavenlies, when you sin, don't go, oh, what? What just happened down there? Did you, did you see countrymen? He already knew. We've already established the theological truth that he's all-knowing. So what should your response be to this fact? The fact that God isn't shocked by your sin. Your response should be total honesty with God. He already knows it already. Your response to the fact that he isn't shocked by your sin should just be honesty before him. Uh, the Holy Spirit fills our brother John, and in 1 John chapter 1, he penned these words. He says, if we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. 
But if we confess our sins, if we're just truthful about our sins, if we're honest about our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. He, he already knows about your sin. He's not shocked by it. And so our response to that ought to be, let's just be honest. Go to God. Confess your sins to him. Quit living a life of, of, of you know, faking people out. The Bible says in Proverbs 28, you will never succeed in life if you try to hide your sin. Confess them and give them up. Be honest with God. Then, then God will show mercy on you. You know, when you just kind of walk around and you don't let anybody know about your sin, you know, you just kind of act like somehow you got it all together and that somehow you're perfect and that the idea that we're all sinners and we've all fallen short of the glory of God doesn't apply to you, boy, it just weighs down on you. And no one likes to be around a person like that. Beloved, God loves you unconditionally. That means we don't have to fake it or pretend around him. He loves you. He, he loves you just the way you are. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, we, we didn't even believe in God. We mocked God. We didn't care about God. He still sent his son Jesus Christ to die for you, the Bible says, while we were yet sinners. That's the demonstration of God's love. That you didn't care about him at all. And yet he still came for you. Number two, God knows all about your troubles. He knows all about your sin, but he knows all about your troubles. He knows about your, your frustrations, your, your hurts. <clears throat> the Bible says in Psalms 31, I, I will be glad and rejoice in your unfailing love, for you have seen my troubles and you care about the anguish in my soul. Some ver uh, versions say, you care about the crisis in my soul. There's no hurt or pain or trouble that you go through that God doesn't know about. Because he's all-knowing. He sees it all. He knows when you're in a crisis. The Bible says in Psalm 56, you, that's God, keep track of all my sorrows, all my troubles, all my hurts, my frustrations, my feelings. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. Amazing. There's no hurt that you go through that goes unnoticed by God. He knows when that someone you love dies. He knows. He knows that you lost your job. He knows the, the, the pain that that divorce caused. He knows about your teenager that's gotten off track. He knows. He knows about your inability to, to get pregnant and the pain and sorrow that that's brought into your life. He knows. God knows all about your troubles. Now, once again, I want to give you an important fact, okay? Not only does God see your troubles, but he cares deeply about them. That's an important fact. That God not only sees your troubles because he's all-knowing, but he cares about them. 
Listen to what Psalm 103 says. It says, the Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those that fear him. For God knows how weak we are. He created us, right? He knows about our sinful nature. He knows about the old man, the old nature. He remembers we are only dust. He's very much aware of, of us and how we are. If somebody walked in one of these doors and were waving their hands and they said, hey, Pastor Rick, something happened to one of your children, I'm not going to finish preaching this message because my kids trump you. I'll walk off of this platform and I'm going to go out there and figure out what's going on with my kids. And I'm a sinful person in need of a Savior. So if me being sinful would do whatever I needed to do for my kids, how much more? The Father cares about you when you're in crisis, when you're in trouble, when you're hurt. You're his child. He made you. He cares. He sees the, the, the hurt and the pain in you that you don't even see in you. He sees it. Because of the theological truth, he's all-knowing. So what should your response be to this fact, the fact that God cares about your hurts? Your response should be to give your troubles over to God. Give them to him. Peter said, give all your worries, give all your cares, give all those hurt feelings, those troubles to God. Why? Because he cares about you. Not only does he know it, because he's all-knowing, but he cares Just like you, you go to God when, when you've got sin in your life and you're just honest with God about your sin, God says, come to me with all your troubles, with all your worries. Yes, come to me with your sin. Be honest with me with your sin. But I want you to come and be honest with me about your troubles, about the pain in your life, the sorrow in your life, the crises that are going on in your life. And that's something that we as men have a hard time doing. You know, we're just going to gut it out, you know. I don't need anybody's help. I'm a man. Let me tell you something. Peter was a man. He was a man. And here he is, this man who's saying to us, don't gut it out. Give your troubles to God. Let him be the one who helps you deal with him because he cares so much about you. Some of you right now are ready to give up and God says, don't do it. Don't give up. Look up. That's what you're supposed to do. God knows what you're going through. Psalms 142 says, when I'm overwhelmed, you alone know the way that I should turn. Man, when the crises of life come and the troubles come and the pain comes, nothing wrong with talking to your spouse, nothing wrong with talking to your pastor, nothing wrong with talking to a godly friend. But the Bible says, look, he's the one who knows the way that you should turn. When you're overwhelmed by life, nothing wrong with talking to me, nothing wrong with talking to your spouse. But God's the one you want to turn to. He's the one you want to cast all your cares on. He's all-knowing. 
Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, well, why does God even allow troubles into our lives? I mean, if, you know, he's all powerful, and we're going to talk about that in a couple weeks, why doesn't he just make sure we, we, we don't go through crummy things or bad things? Uh, I might have told you this story. I don't know. But in our house, we have this, this set of cupboards that open up. And in this set of cupboards is where I put my stash of Pop-Tarts. Okay? <laughs> You're visiting with us. I love Pop-Tarts. So I got them all up there, and there's all the cereal and stuff, uh, chips and stuff. So I uh, go there one day and I open up the cupboard, and I'm rummaging through looking for my stash. <laughs> and, and something fell out. <laughs> Boom. Okay? So I reach down to get it. Now, I'm in my 50s now. So when you get your 50s, something happens. You don't remember very well. And so all the blood is rushing to my head. It's like a one second. I go down. Whoo! I've now forgotten that the thing's open. It's one second. I just opened it. I'm a halfway intelligent guy. Open, down, forgot, forgot. Now I pick up my thing. And I forgot. And boom. Oh. It's one of those moments that, you know, I wish God hadn't seen. Because he knew. He knew the things I was thinking. And I'm all. Blood. Big thing. I looked like Fred Flintstone, you know, when he got the thing. And I just. Unbelievable. What most people want is they want a God who shuts the door. See, I left it open. What we want is a God who says, okay, you blew it, let me shut the door for you. And that's not what God does. God allows the natural consequences of life to play themselves out. So if you open up that door and you bend down and you forget it's open, you're going to crack your head. God allows a person to go out and get drunk and get into a car and drive down the road and go through the stop sign and wipe out an innocent family. He allows the natural consequences of our choices to play themselves out. Sometimes he does what we call miracles. Sometimes if we forget to shut the door, you know, he'll shut it. A miracle happens. But the reason why we call them miracles is because they don't happen very often. So the reason why God just doesn't intervene is because he allows life to happen. Number three, God knows all about your future. He knows about your sin, he knows about your troubles, but he knows about your future. Once again, Psalm 139 says, you saw me, David says, before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Beloved, God's not limited by time. He can be in the past, he can be in the present, and he can be in the future all at the same time which means he sees all your tomorrows today. But not only does God see all your tomorrows, but he's got all your tomorrows planned out, which is an important fact 
that you need to hold on to. Not only is God in your tomorrow, but He's got all your tomorrows planned out. God was in your past. He's here right now in this little sliver of time called the present. You know, my first and second point were already in the past. Right now is this little sliver of time called the present, and he's here right now. But he's also in the future. He's in your tomorrows right now. And not only that, he's got a plan for your tomorrows. The, God said this through the prophet Jeremiah. He says, I alone know the plans that I have for you, plans to bring you prosperity and not disaster, plans to bring about the future uh, you hope for. And obviously God is talking to Jeremiah, but that is true for all of us. You ought to circle or underline the word know. God knows. He's all-knowing. He, he knows the future. He knows your future. So when that crisis hits your life today or tomorrow or next week or next month or 10 years from now, it may surprise you. It will surprise you. But it doesn't surprise God. He's already there. He sees it. So what should your response be to this fact? The fact that God has all your tomorrows planned out. Your response should be to ask God for his advice. Ask for his wisdom. Great promise in Jeremiah 33. God says, call to me. Ask me, talk to me, and I'll answer you. I'll give you some advice. I'll give you some wisdom. I'll tell you wonderful and marvelous things that you know nothing about. You can't know anything about them because you're not all-knowing, but I am. So call to me. Talk with me. And I'll tell you things that will blow your mind. Now, he's not going to lay out your whole life at one moment because you'd get all bummed out or discouraged or depressed or you'd get prideful knowing all that he's got laid out. But because he's all-knowing, he knows exactly how much data, how much information, how much wisdom you need to have. Let me give you a practical application. When you get up in the morning, it's a new day for you. You have no idea what's going to happen in the next 24 hours. But God does. He's in your future. He's there. He has a plan for your future. So doesn't it make sense to wake up and, you know, say, you know, Father, you've already seen this day that I'm about ready to experience. You know ahead of time every interruption I'm going to face, every cranky person in the office, every flat tire, every traffic jam, every missed plane. You know when I'm going to spill that coffee on my suit. You've already seen it. Would you right now give me the strength and the wisdom I'm going to need to cope with the day that you've already planned out for me? You see, the reason why we don't always respond the way we should is because, you know, we get that flat tire or we run out of gas or there's someone cranky in the office who hits us. God already knew it was going to happen, but we never ask for his wisdom about the day. We never ask for his advice about what's going to take place today. We didn't do what Jeremiah says here, call on him. And so all of a sudden things happen and now we respond in our flesh. Instead of saying, God, look, I don't know what's going to happen today. I don't have a clue. But you do. 
you got a plan. And so God, would you give me wisdom right now that I might know how I'm going to respond to these things? And who knows, maybe God will lead you to a verse that all of a sudden you'll read. Maybe all of a sudden he'll lead you to a song that you'll start singing. And it may not make any sense at that moment, but he knows you're going to get that flat tire. He knows you're going to spill your coffee on your suit in that big meeting. He knows that some cranky person is going to come up and just, you know, ream on you. And so he filled your heart with some song that you started to sing. He filled your mind with some verse. And it doesn't make any sense to you at that moment. But he's preparing you for what he's already seen that's going to happen. So God knows about your sin, and he's not shocked by it. You ought to be honest with him about it. He knows about your troubles, and he cares deeply about them. So you ought to give them over to him. And he knows about your future. And he has it all planned out for you. So he invites us to call on him that we would know what his will is. That we would know, God, what is it you've got planned for me today? Number four, God knows all about your worries. He knows everything that gets you fearful and uptight and worried. And for most people, it's finances, money. Because without money, it's hard to take care of your basic needs. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6. He said, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than, than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life, Jesus asked. And why worry about clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have such little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs because he's all-knowing. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he'll give you everything you need. Beloved, because God's all-knowing, he knows everything you need, and this is an important fact that you need to hang on to. God is aware of all your basic needs. He knows. He knows you need food. He knows you need clothing. He knows you need a roof over your head. He knows all those things. Whether they're financial needs or spiritual needs or sexual needs or social needs or emotional needs, whatever they are, God is aware of every need that you have. He's all-knowing. So what should your response be to this fact, the fact that God knows all about your needs? Your response should be to quit worrying and start praying. Start living a righteous life. Make sure that you're seeking him. There's an incredible, uh, kind of like a deal here that God makes. Jesus says, listen, <laughs> God takes care of the birds. He takes, takes care of all that. And you're much more valuable to him. He, he didn't die on a cross for a bird or a seal or a monkey or a snail. He died for humans. If you'll seek him first, 
If you'll live a righteous life, a God-honoring life, God says, I'll pick up the tab. I'll make sure that you have clothes on your back. I'll meet that need. They may not be the clothes you want, but he'll make sure you have clothes. He says, I'll make sure you have food in your belly. Now, it may not be the kind of food that you want, but he'll, he'll meet that need. He'll make sure that he puts a roof over your head. It may not be the kind of house you want or the roof that you want. It may not have the square footage you want and the number of garages that you want. It may not have, but he, he promises to meet the need, not the want. It's the need. So the worries that you have about food and clothing and all those things, God says, look, you just seek me. Live righteously, and I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. Philippians chapter 4 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. That's what God says. All these worries that we have, go to him, pray. Rely on him. And that's what prayer is. It's a way to say, God, I'm really trusting you. I'm seeking you. I want to honor you with my life. Don't panic, pray. And last but not least, number five, and this is the one that really got me all excited. God knows all about your faithfulness. God knows all about your faithfulness. Listen to what Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter six. He said, watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogue and the streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what the right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private and your father who sees everything, there's that all-knowing thing, will reward you. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly in the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that's all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything, keyword, he'll reward you. He'll reward you. Beloved, every time you do the right thing, when you're faithful, God sees it. Every time you make the choice not to sin, God sees it. Every time you make the choice to resist some temptation, God sees it. Every time you choose not to gossip, God sees it. Every time you choose, you know, the, uh, the, the, make the choice to, to not grumble and complain, God sees it. Every time you make the choice to be positive, Instead of negative, God sees it. Every time you make the choice to stand for something, some biblical conviction, God sees it. Every time you make the choice to help the poor, God sees it. Every time you share Jesus Christ with someone, God sees it. Every time you make the choice to treat somebody else the way you'd want to be treated, God sees it. Every time you put your offering in that little green basket, 
God sees it. Every time you, you encourage somebody, God sees it. Every time you compliment somebody, God sees it. Every time you stuff the program here at church or set up chairs or walk the parking lot or sing in the choir or hold a baby in the nursery or mentor some teenager, God sees it. He knows all about your faithfulness. He sees it all. Every kind act, every kind deed, every kind thought, no matter how small or insignificant it may seem to you, God sees it. Now let me give you an important fact. God will reward you for your faithfulness. Not only does God see it, because he's all-knowing, but here's the practical piece to it. He'll reward you for it. God will reward every good deed, no matter how insignificant it seems to you or anybody else. God sees it all, which I want you to know is a tremendous motivator for me to live a godly life. Knowing that God is going to reward my faithfulness. God will reward your faithfulness. That's the thing that motivates us to live God-honoring lives. So what should your response be to this fact? The fact that God will reward you for your faithfulness? Your response should be to never give up doing good. Never give up. Listen to what Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 6. Paul said, so let us not get tired of doing what is good. And the reason why he wrote that is because it, it can get tiring doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Look, God is all-knowing. He sees your faithfulness. And not only does he see it, but he'll reward it. Some of you are thinking, I've been trying to do the right thing in my marriage, but I don't see any results. I've been trying to be the right kind of person and respond correctly with my kids, to my parents, to my husband, my wife. I've been trying to be a, a good Christian at work. I've been trying to have a good testimony at school, but I don't know if it's paying off. I, I don't know if it's making any difference in anybody's life. Listen, God sees it. He sees your faithfulness. There have been many, many times, well, as a youth pastor of this church for over two decades, there were lots of kids that I met with and I was just trying to be faithful to what God had called me to do and literally I would have kids just spit in my face, big loogies. It, it didn't go well. <laughs> but God saw my faithfulness. He saw me being faithful. It doesn't matter how anybody else responds. Doesn't matter how your spouse responds. It doesn't matter how your kids responds. Doesn't matter how your parents respond. Doesn't matter how your teachers. Doesn't matter how anybody else responds. God sees it, and God just doesn't reward. You know, give out rewards when everything goes right. You know, you share your faith with somebody and they receive Christ, and God's well. 
God rewards you when you're just faithful and the person spits in your face or calls you a loser or whatever he does. So these are the five things that God knows about you. God knows all about your sin and he loves you anyway. God knows all about your troubles and he cares about them deeply. God knows all about your future and he invites you to ask for his wisdom or advice. God knows all about your worries and he wants you to give them all over to him and God knows all about your faithfulness. And someday he'll reward you for it. And this is how I want to end, okay? Everybody stand up. We're going to say these five things out loud together. God is all-knowing, and these are five practical areas, okay? Now, 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 here's the deal. It hasn't gone very well. Saturday night, was, it, was a, it was a train wreck, wasn't it, Scott? It was unbelievable. I, I don't, maybe they were thinking about the fact that we're going to lose an hour of sleep. Uh, I, I, the 8.45 hour, listen, I hate talking about other gatherings. Not good. Not good in here. <laughs> Shh, don't tell them that. Venue? I want to hear it over here. And, and folks, this, this is it. Okay, let, 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 we, we've got it. We, we, you know, it's a little later. A lot of coffee percolating through us. Let's, let's do this well. Five incredible truths. Here we go. God knows about my sin and loves me anyway. God knows about my troubles and cares deeply about them. God knows about my future and makes his advice available. God knows about my worries and wants me to give them over to him. And God knows about my faithfulness and will reward me someday for it. Man, now listen, listen. I want you to think about someone that you know. Maybe they're a believer and they've gotten off the, 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 the path. Maybe they don't know the Lord. And this week I want you to think about just praying for them and maybe next week inviting them. I believe that as people really get to know God, I'm going to tell you, <laughs> the response is you just fall more and more in love with them. And I want you to think about somebody you might invite here next week and if God doesn't come back. If you're here and you need some, you know, some prayer, something going on in your life, the altar room is always open. It's open over in the venue. And the spiritual leaders of the church are there to pray for you, the pastors, elders. Take advantage of it. If you're visiting with us today, I'll be out in the welcome center. And I'd love, I'd love to meet you. Why don't you close your eyes. And Pastor Scott, would you close our time in prayer?